Welcome to another episode of Arete. I'm here with Jason Brooks. Hey, Jason, how are you? Doing well. The tail end of COVID, but uh, glad to be here now. Yeah, I feel like I can do this. Yeah, it's been, we've, we were hoping to record earlier, but it just hasn't played out. I also have, I am selling a home, buying a home, and had a six-year-old's birthday party, which I don't know if you've had a six-year-old girl's, well, you haven't had a six-year-old girl, girl's birthday, but those are pretty big deals. So it was a really, <laughs> yeah. it was a double birthday. So it's been a crazy couple of weeks for us, but we're here and we're back with you and we're excited to talk to you about a topic that um, we've mentioned a few times, at least I've mentioned a few times in passing, which is... Uh, I've titled this episode on being full of shit um, because I have mentioned um, on a numerous occasions that sometimes my, I feel like my athletes are full of shit. And I actually reflected, I think on the second or third episode about how I was feeling guilty about that. And maybe I was being yeah. a little too hard on my athletes and that if my athletes were listening to it, they might be, um, they might be uh, getting, feeling a little, a little exposed. And I just want to share from the outset that um, this conversation that we're going to cover is going to have um, repeated, um, repeatedly using examples from my coaching experience to highlight uh, scenarios and circumstances where people have been full of shit. But I have been spending a lot of time on this topic myself because I have found um, in my own running recently that I have been epically full of shit. And I'll unpack that a little bit. Um, and I'm sure you probably have some circumstances yourself, Jason, that you can kind of highlight in this regard. But we yeah. want to just be sure that we let everyone know that we're definitely holding the mirror up to ourselves as well as looking at how it reflects to the rest of our wider running culture. But I think this is a huge topic and one that deserves some time spent with because it's um, it's a foundational element. And I think we're kind of going through some of the foundational stuff, Jason, on these first you know, 10, 15 episodes that we cover, like key things that we'll constantly come back to. And I think in this episode, we'll be coming back to worldview and self-view, to groundedness, to how we have identity. All of these things are gonna kind of get pulled in. But um, just to get started, I'd like to start out with a framework, Jason. So I discussed with you that recently when I'm working with my athletes, I have been thinking through how important intentions are and how we set intentions to achieving any goal that we set. So you've got a goal, which is actually, I want to go do a thing. And then the, what an intention is, is when you make steps towards it. So it's the sort of the, the desire you have in action. Um, and as I thought about that, I realized, oh, wow, well, before you can actually have any action, you have to have a desire. So then I realized, okay, foundational to this element is this concept of a want or a desire. So this, this is a three-part model that I think is, um, is, that is critical, not critical, it just shows up in any time we want to do a thing, um, whether that's to read a book or to run a marathon or to run a 200-mile race or whatever the case may be, or to brush our teeth. Um, there's some sort of desire, want, or need that's there. And then we believe we can do a thing. And this is a critical second position. So the first position is, is a want or desire. I can also put a need in there because even though you might not feel a real attraction to the thing, it still needs to get done like your taxes, right? So, um, nobody wants to do their taxes, but it needs to get done. Um, so the next step is belief, which is you believe you can do the thing. And this actually is one of the lesser important parts. But the reason I kind of pulled it out in this model is because I felt like 
it's sometimes not recognized. It's not pointed at. And so it's essential and as a secondary step to get to intention is to believe that you can do a thing. Now you don't actually have to believe you can do a thing right off the bat. Like there's a lot of really big, hard, crazy things to do that you can have a question about whether it can get achieved or not. Um, but you believe that the want is a real want and you believe that that want is something you could do if you do the steps. So then you go to the third step, which is intention, which is taking that desire and willing it into existence. It's, it's, it's active, it's moving through the world in some way. And then maybe a fourth step is one that I would leave really wide open, which is experience. It's like the doing of the things and how those things all feed back into your want and your desire and your beliefs. And, but just using this initial three step process, I think, um, is something I found whenever I'm working with my athletes and working by myself and working in any circumstance, I I'm looking and tracing these three core elements as critical steps in any activity that we do. Um, how do those sort of resonate for you? Do you feel like those are accurate? Do you think that maybe I'm missing anything or anything you want to unpack, Jason, before we kind of take that into on being full of shit? The, so the thing that stood out for me, you said that maybe belief isn't as important. And I do think there is a degree to which belief can become really powerful in these scenarios um, and work either way. And that is um, that we, we also believe in what we're pursuing, not just the belief in our ability to accomplish the thing we sat after, but like a belief in the entire construct that surrounds it. Right. Um, so desire is important. Like I have the desire to go to college. I also believe in the entire like systemic structure surrounding college and what should come out of college. If I put the time in, you know, to going to school and getting the degree. Uh, and that's just, I'm pulling right there on my, my personal experience, right? Where once like that whole belief construct evaporated, I was like, well, college was fun. <laughs> I'm glad I put all that time in. Yeah. So there's a, there's a belief from the perspective of I can do it. It's possible. And a belief from the structure that says, uh, it's a worthy thing to do. Right. So beliefs have yeah. at least those two different categorizations which are important um one yeah. of the things that we'll be talking about throughout this is how these three steps desire belief and intention are multifaceted multivalent and have a lot of different aspects to work on so i think it's really cool that you pull that out um what else what other thoughts do you have about them i mean do you do you see these as three i mean i before we got on this call you hadn't i hadn't shared this with you and i've been thinking about it for a year so yeah. do you look at it and go hmm that's interesting or do you look at it and go oh wow that's kind of cool or do you just kind of go oh well steve comes up with crazy shit all the time so maybe it works for him <laughs> it wouldn't work for me no what, I think, what are your thoughts yeah I, I think this is right and i i i appreciate how much you you think into these things it, it, it it kind of reminds me of um, the the model that technologists have for uh, grabbing your attention, right? So like we live in an attention economy in many ways these days, social media being the most glaring manifestation of this attention economy. And they have a framework similar to this, right? That, that like to grab somebody's attention, 
there needs to be some sort of of like alert to a thing. So this would be the notifications, pop-up notifications, badges, banners, noises, shit that comes out of your squawk box. For, and so like in this model, it, there's there's intention, or sorry, there is desire. So this idea comes up for something. So you have that desire, right? And then you you think, okay, I want that. Do I, could I actually get to it? Do I believe that I could attain this thing, right? And then I, th I think, yes, I say, okay. Then I set my intention and then I, and then I go after it. And then you, you test that attention that, sorry, you test that intention and your belief and your desire against experience. And that yeah, feeds this is, back into all of it. Right? Yes. That's exactly the concept that this is a feedback loop that, that doesn't move omnidirectionally, like, or even just in a circle, but it weaves. So you might consider these three points as being three points on a, on a, on a line, but your intention comes back. And if you add experience is that fourth one that you're doing it, right? The doing the intention yeah. is the action moving towards the action and the action is the actual doing. So all four of these sort of rotate through each other, but they don't always have to go through a direct correlation. You don't have to go from, once you've set those four things up, they can move they go back and forth and back and forth. And I find yeah. that they're extremely useful then for interrogating your challenges that show up. So the big issues that show up in your experience that might thwart you towards your desires or you don't hit your goal or you don't, um, you, you, you lose, um, you, you peter out somewhere along the line in your goal set in, in the, in the process of this, of this, or in your case of looking at attention, attention, your attention moves to something else. Um, you know, that's, that, so they'll throw another notification at you to get you to go, oh, well, we expect that after about 2.8 seconds, you've moved your attention. Your attention is now wandering and it's not moved into intention or action to get us. So let's send you another notification to send you, get your attention to bring you back into this construct. But as we see, it's probably extremely, um, it's extremely real. It seems to be something that plays out. But as you and I like to talk about, and this, this podcast is basically an ongoing discussion of what's going on under the hood all the time from our perspective, right? We're yeah. not technologists and we're not, and we're not philosophers, although we play them on TV or at least on a podcast, right? Um, <laughs> That's right. But we're, but we're just thinking more deeply about all these things. And so the reason I brought up this three or four part thing is because I think I have experienced what it is. Um, let me give an example. So we have an athlete um, who who wants to run a particular time for a particular distance. So let's just throw something out there. So somebody wants to run three hours for a marathon and maybe they're a four hour marathoner. And so when they come to you or I, we say, Hey, you know, you've got a long way to go. Um, and the trajectory for something like this is typically 18 months or a year or two years, depending on the talent level of an athlete and the experience level of an athlete, an athlete, more experienced, take them um, more time to get there because they've obviously been doing it for a while. And athletes who's not experienced, they might be able to short circuit that time frame because they're fitter and get fitter quicker. Age has a factor in it, injury, background, blah, blah, blah. Um, but important here is to ask the athlete who says and comes to you and says, hey, I want to run a three-hour marathon. You're like, do you want that? Now, what we have to do as coaches, we have to have to take them at their word this is not something that you and I, at least in my work, I don't do a lot of this, um, mostly because the race takes care of itself, takes care of this aspect at some point in time, right? So I don't know if I can, if I, 
I, I, it's not really in my position to really interrogate a person's desire or their want. But the first thing I do is ask them if they can believe it. <laughs> so immediately what I say is, well, do you believe you can do it? And a lot of times it's no. And what the interesting thing about belief is that I don't think this is a crucial piece of the puzzle initially. Um, you know, if we're talking about what I talk about belief from the perspective of, is it, do you have the possibility or the capability of doing it? Um, I'm assuming yeah. that the person feels worth, it's a worthy goal if it's here. But as we said, these are multivalent and they'll start to slip and, and lose grip in certain places. But if a person yeah. then says, yeah, I don't know if I can do it, but I believe I have the skill set to do it. Then the, you set the intention, right? So then you, the intention there is I'm going to do a pace chart for them. And then we're going to set up a whole line set of work that they train to, so they can have this experience of constantly testing themselves against this desire and where they see and what they want to do. Um, and then that experience, as they gain it more and more, they get closer and closer. And hopefully over a window of time, they get into a race or two that indicates that they're actually capable of doing this. So we're all fine and dandy, right? The, this, this is all moving around long in a smooth and smooth way. But what happens when that four hour athlete runs that four hour athlete runs a three thirty, and then another three thirty, and another three thirty, And now we're two years into the process that I said might take 18 months. Are they, a lot of times what I find is an athlete starts to lose their desire. And at this point in time, in a very cruel way, but it's also highlighting very importantly, the athlete's full of shit. So at this point, they no longer want the thing or they don't believe that they can do the thing or they won't intend to do the thing. So somewhere along the construct it. or all of it, correct. But somewhere along this construct, typically they're more egregious in one particular aspect of this. So it's, a, yeah. and, and they know it probably, they probably feel it in some deep way. And I don't have to go through and try to interrogate all of those, but I can at least highlight the one place they're not getting up. They're not showing up to practice. They're not coming to the workouts. They're not following through the workouts or they get to the workouts, but they can't hold the pace. So then we might try to play with the pace or, you know, there's, there's all these other things that go on. But when I find that the athlete is full of shit, it doesn't matter what I do. Once you're full of shit, once you realize you're full of shit, it's you're, you're, you're stuck. So what happens when that happens is I'll, this is why this, this three-part system came up because then I'm like, okay, well, we've got to go and really start asking the question on what's happening here. Um, so, you know, that, and I'll go through, do you really, really want it? Do you believe you can do it? And where are our intentions and actions playing out in this role? And for all the people that are listening to us, my guess is most of them are self-coached or they're, 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 if they're listening to us talk, pontificate on these topics, they're definitely under the hood too. And they're thinking about these kinds yeah. of things. So what I'm saying to them is, Hey, this is a really, in my experience, this is a really useful place to get grounded in a slippery space because it's slippery because number one, you're talking with other people about really important things in their lives. Number two, you're um, asking them to be self-reflective and they're asking them to kind of dig deep onto what their worldview is, what their self-view is, what they're, how, they're, how they're feeling about what's going on from a cultural perspective. There's all kinds of things going on and we need somewhere to ground the conversation or start with the conversation. And these three things are three things that almost everybody at the outset of the process says, yes, I believe in all three of these things. So if they're not working anymore, then we can start doing something. It's like a troubleshooting framework, right? Let's, let's pick this apart. And it's like any construct, right? It's, this is an imperfect model. It's a, it's a tool, 
right? To help unpack sort of human constructs and look into the human condition and start to ask questions. And there may be other things you know, going on or some interrelationship between all of these. Uh, but I think that it's a great, it's a great device for at least looking at our motivations or asking this question, you know, do we really want it? What are we doing in order to get it? Um, and I think that it's a, it's a great litmus test when you hit trouble to really think about, okay, like either I don't want this or I want it, but I'm, I'm blind to something. What, what's my blind spot here? What am I not seeing? What do I need to work on? What are the truths I need to discuss with myself? And they're not on all three of these. They have no, um, value. No, no external value associated with them. We just always have wants and desires. We always have beliefs and we always have set intentions. These are natural, normal human things. And maybe intention has a little bit of, a little more like construct of value around it. But the other two, they're just real things. Humans want, humans believe, and humans act. And, um, and then the intention is sort of like, oh, I can, there's some part of me some power, some will, some other thing coming in. And that's the, that's, that's one of the things I wanted to talk a little bit about. We can maybe punt it for a second. Um, but it is an important thing we want to come back to, which is intention is setting that action space, setting up an action space, but then you have to do the work somewhere where <laughs> there's a gap there, right? There's a gap there between the intention and the actual work. Um, that's important. And so, uh, I didn't put that in there because it's a really weird thing to say will or doing, um, but it's kind of part of the part and parcel of it. So two things I wanted to talk about here, and, and it may, you guys, you may be like, whoa, they have now gone way far afield. I'm not really sure where we're at. And um, they used one example, and maybe they're going to come up with another example. Probably we will. But there's two main areas that I think that are really, really useful here to use this construct. Number one are desires and wants that are culturally constructed. So we see this a lot in our world, Jason, both as athletes ourselves and as coaches of athletes, that the idea of a three-hour marathon or for a four-hour marathon, or where does that come from? It's not, it's arbitrary. It's coming from outside of them. There's no, that 180 minutes, right? Um, whatever 180 times 60 is, I don't know that math that fast. It's that many seconds. It's just a total <laughs> random number. And then they're going to feel like they're successful or not successful, whether or not they dip under it by one second, right? So it's really arbitrary. So it's, it's really arbitrary. And that's when you can usually tell it's a cultural construct is it's arbitrariness, right? Okay. It's there and I just, but it doesn't make it a bad thing, but that desire is culturally bound. And if it's culturally bound, then um, I think that that's an area where, um, interestingly enough, people really struggle a lot with. They sort of think that that's a real thing. They, they start thinking that that's a really important thing. Um, and for Boston is, is a good example of that. We see this a lot with the Boston qualifying. But as I like to say, yeah, but it's the most arbitrary because every time you run, the, you don't even know what the actual Boston qualifying time is when you finish the race. Because yes, you might have gone under a threshold of time, but the race is going to decide after the fact, after all those race results are in, what the actual time is that's going to put somebody at the starting line. So it's even more arbitrary than arbitrary because you don't even know. So that's a culturally constructed one. 
Um, you, we, you and I can talk about the, the idea in ultra, the ultra world. Everybody wants to run a hundred miler. I mean, not everybody, but once you go down the road a little while, that's a big thing. That's a big thing. And we know there's nothing special about that. Cause if you created a project like running you, what you did, the Wonderland trail where you ran 98 miles or 96 miles in a loop around a beautiful mountain, then that just happens to be what the route was. You weren't any less successful because you ran 98 miles than if you ran a hundred miles. Right. And perhaps. Right. Perhaps that special problem was even more special because you were so low. There wasn't number pinned to your chest. It was completely, you know, but still you, you, the hundred miler is a sort of cultural construct. And then there's another category of construct, which I call a, a self view construct, which is I hold this desire and want deeply. Um, I want it deeply self selfishly desiring wanting that thing that's not got that's not bound by a cultural construct right now sometimes the cultural construct will come into this self-view but frequently what i see is that they're not connected they're much more powerful desires when they're both of these two aspects are part of it right if both of those two are there if you feel like for yourself you want the thing and it's a culturally valued thing the power really comes up from it but if one of the things culturally but you haven't embedded it into your own life, or if you have something embedded in your life that doesn't play out in a cultural way, it sometimes is harder to stay the course with that. It becomes harder to view it as a worthy desire or, or goal. But these things are important. So if you have, if you initially ask yourself from the construct of what you're desiring, what you want, what you do want, is it, do I want it for the sake of itself because I want it, or is it because I want it to be done because that's what is it? viewed as good um neither i'm not judging either one of them it's just important to know that they come from two different places they're very two different two very different wants in my opinion and so you see immediately that this construct of desire already has now moved into some other areas that are useful to challenging if you're not succeeding at it like take for example a couple of weeks ago we talked about you doing your nolan's attempt and you got stopped just below um the, a peak in a really terrible wind, ter really terrible weather conditions that made you decide to. The circumstances were sketchy enough that you decided to end that particular push to get that thing achieved. Um, have you lost the desire to do Nolan's? I haven't lost the desire to do Nolan's, and I think that Nolan's is a perfect example for this conversation, um, especially as I think about what we're going through right now. But the, the reason for this is that there is something that draws me really deeply to Nolan's. Um, and there are also a lot of things that push me away from it that really test my, what, how full of shit I am about it. And I think that in my journey of self-discovery over the past few years and looking at it through the lens of Nolan's, I've been tied to a lot of these like cultural constructs and it has upended my whole like relationship to running and to how I pursue things, this, this desire, belief, intention model. Um, I, I have, uh, moved increasingly away from this this like goal and outcome orientation with my pursuits in life and I have tried to come more to the process worldview and and to really 
find the fulfillment in the journey and the everyday experiences that all culminate in to something bigger. And I, and you know, what I've noticed about Nolan's is that I want it because it scares the shit out of me because there are times when I say, Nope, not going, not, not going to put myself through it. Um, and that, that element of fear is what I feel drawn to. And I think that I also feel drawn to this, maybe a desire, a new kind of a desire, a desire to overcome that fear, to be able to, to conquer that thing. And so I'll be honest that I have been a relatively talented runner for most of my career and, um, athletics in general have always been something I've been good at. And so it hasn't been a stretch for me to go after athletic pursuits. It's always been kind of easy to attain the goals that I've set for myself. And I haven't found a lot of things that truly pushed me out of my comfort zone and left me falling short physically to achieve them. And so now I found myself finally in the face of a project that one has completely chewed me up and spit me out and left me standing there wondering, what is my metal? What am I capable of? And not, I'm not just physically challenged, but I think I'm truly standing for the first time in the face of a, of a mental or psychological challenge that is, is mystifying, that leaves me struggling to understand how I'm going to overcome that voice in my head and that feeling in my stomach that are saying, you can't do this. You don't have what it takes. You don't, you're too comfortable. You're too old. You're too weak. You're too whatever, right? I have to struggle with that. And in that struggle, I find, I think, the desire and, and, the, and, the, and the intention, but I lack the belief. And that is, is hard, right? And so I find myself wondering, like, how do I bring that piece of, the framework together? How do I reestablish some sort of belief or what is the new model, mental model for, for really committing to something like that? Yeah. Like Nolan's. I mean, basically you're asking yourself if you're full of shit. I am. And, I'm, and what I'm finding is yes, in some ways, um, and, and maybe in some ways, not so much. There's maybe a genuine sense that I want this, um, but I don't know how it is that I want it. I need to like, you know, I'm, I'm searching for a new understanding. This is, it's a new level. So this is the crux of why I say that people, athletes, that, that I think people are full of shit because they don't get to this point. And then when they get into a race scenario or a challenging workout scenario and they can't match up to what it is to either their self view or their cultural view, whether, whether the, with the goal of outside of themselves or the goal is inside of themselves, what really matters is that are they truly aligned in a deep, meaningful way with the thing they want? And the belief in your case is wavering or you think that's the weak spot, that's the place to interrogate for now, 
But once you get that done and you figure that out and you're like, no, Nolan's is totally arbitrary and random thing that a few people do 14, 14ers in a window of 60 hours and nobody's going to know it. It's like you post it up on a one little message board in one place and only f- how many people are paying attention to this? A thousand people in the universe, right? A thousand people yeah, in the universe maybe, are paying yeah. attention to it, right? So it's not that big a deal, but it, then you align to saying it is to me though. And I don't believe I can do it, or I don't know if I can do it. So th- that's the place that the not that's the place that I put my energy and I stay aligned with it. But what I found is that once struggle, challenge, difficulty comes, people who are full of shit, they realize they were never aligned with it in the first place. So you're struggling mm-hmm. because you're trying to get back to alignment. And what is that alignment? We don't, I would argue we don't really know. It's I think it's this evolutionary push to just willfully be alive you know you could you know in the back you know in the Nietzschean sense it's like to 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 be the ubermensch to be the superman to to come out on top you know he gets a really bad rap for that there's a lot of beauty involved in that model that he talks about it's been really i don't know how much Nietzsche you've read but he definitely has been he hasn't it it's much more beautiful thing which is why there's a whole bunch of high school boys and college age boys right now who are all excited about Nietzsche because every college age boy or co- <laughs> gets excited about Nietzsche at some point in time because they feel yeah. inside of themselves this ex this existential need to drive forward to push forward and I think that this is what we're talking about when people are full of shit they lose that drive and I think they lose the drive because they've missed something with their goal, with their goal, their, re, their you know, their their why, their reason to do it, what they're doing with it, um, that that want to do it, then or their belief to do it, as you mentioned in your case, or the intentionality, the actual doing of the thing is very, very difficult. For example, um, there's people I know who have really busy lives. They've got work related, work family related things, and they practice at 530 in the morning because that's the only time they could get it in. And there are days where I know that they've scheduled and work with me as their coach because that's the time when we get this stuff done. And and they know that no one's going to ask for that time frame. So what they've done is they might be full of shit with their goal, but what they've done is they've aligned all the other circumstances around it to see where they were at, right? So for a little while, they can they can lean in on the other aspects of the particular scenario to try to help them achieve the thing they want. So in this case, they can align their want with the intention of showing up at a particular time and place. And they just lean into that for you. What you might need to lean into is aligning with, with, do I believe I can do it? Because it's going to ask so much of me on that given day. And I don't know if I am, and do I want to meet up and face with that? And I think in a lot of other people, it's that they get into the situation where three hours or a Boston qualifier really is a culturally constructed thing. And so they're full of shit because they haven't really internalized it themselves. But no matter what happens, this is a good thing. So let me make this punchline. Being full of shit is a really good thing because it gives you an opportunity to explore and to self in, to inquire a little bit more about where you're at and what you're doing. So what's yeah. happening then is you're becoming a better human being because you're looking at these core desires and core wants and needs and how it, this stuff functions under the hood and how it operates. And then you're coming back to it and forward and going backwards and forwards in a way that's really meaningful. It's challenging sometimes because it's not putting food on a table for a lot of people or it's not, um, you know, it's not providing them, um, more security and, and help for their, you know, all the things that me, that we looked at in a, in a more 
socially constructed way of being useful and worthy, but every other person standing on that starting line on that day wants the desires for the other people to have their best day and to be their best self. And there's that beautiful thing going on all the time. So yeah, I say being full of shit. The reason why we're talking about this is because it's a good thing to inquire and ask and play in this space. It's not a bad thing. So when I say you're full of shit, usually what I get is a lot of people laugh out loud when I say that first. They're like, oh, because they know. They know somewhere along the line they probably are full of shit. They either don't really want it or they don't believe they can do it or they don't or they don't want to put the intentionality to getting out and doing it, but yet they still want it. So go back and go to the place that's the most obvious, poke at it a little bit and see what happens. So I like this idea of, of realignment. I want to test this with you because I think that from my experience, what I've seen with a lot of athletes is we get by for a long time on extrinsic motivation rather than intrinsic motivation. And when we're chasing cultural constructs or these extrinsic motivators, they can often pull us a far way. Um, especially depending on how strong the pull of our ego is, how much that might be tied up into our identity as a runner and everything that we're going after is related really to our ego and this identity and these extrinsic motivators. And at some point um, that will break down, right? It won't be sufficient to get you over some hurdle or obstacle that you face in the future. Uh, for me, this was Nolan's, right? At first it was like, ooh, no, that's fucking sexy, right? Only a few people have done that. It was like an 11% completion rate. If I do that, that will solidify my status as a badass motherfucker, right? And yep. um, I think that those um, th those don't those don't hold weight, right? What is the the phrase that you have, if right? They don't real, stay, it doesn't yeah. take the pressure. If it's and real, it didn't it take, take the pressure. pressure. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, the, my, my first attempt, I just walked away from it. It couldn't, my, my intention, not even my intention, the, the, the belief, the motivation, it couldn't take the pressure. And I, and I walked away. I was like, no, that's no, what, and whatever it is right. There has to be, Something I think that that anchors us to pursuing the thing that we're after. Um, and I, I think what I'm learning for myself is it has to come more from within. W whatever that that intention, that belief, that motivation, it, it has to be it has to give we have to have some meaning tied to it that we believe in not just believing in ourselves, but i think this is where it comes back to belief being so powerful and, and important if at if at some point you find that you don't actually believe in the construct <laughs> doesn't matter whether you believe in your ability to go after the thing that you want as soon as you don't believe in the thing itself it's all i i think all bets are off and there's no way we're gonna push ourselves through the the dark moments um, or the challenges that we encounter to continue pursuing the thing. So here, here, anyway. here we put our finger on a very important thing that I spent years focusing on, which is purpose or why. And um, I got here the same way you just described. This is how I got to that, both in my own life and with athletes that I worked with. But I'm not convinced why is the place to start anymore. I thought, well, because this is the ultimate, you know, your why ends up kind of being the ultimate. 
it's really not always useful the right place to start. And I tried to do this. I tried to start with why, but it doesn't so hold it doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold up. So what I began to realize is I just needed somebody to tell me why. So why they wanted to do a particular thing, not why they wanted to do everything. So in your case, it could be why Nolan's. And and then when you ask yourself that question, you stated at least the, your expressed one of your statements for why you wanted to do is so that you could prove that you were a badass, right? And so when you didn't achieve it after two tries, then you had to interrogate the question of, am I a bad? Am I not who I think I am? Okay, great. But now you're but you're you've been through enough stuff in your life, and you've got people who care about you and love you, and so it's not really gets doesn't really get to an existential place with you, right? You're like. Well, do I really do I really see that as valued or worthy? A worthy goal, as you mentioned, is it a worthy thing for me to do? No one's so I can prove I'm full of shit. One of the things that I've come to view, and so therefore, then you're like, oh well, well that 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 really get makes why even more challenging. You see why asking the question why when you get down to questions of self worth is a very slippery place. As we go back to our initial episodes of. What is your yeah. identity? Are you grounded? What's your right. worldview? What's your self view? I mean, those, if these, if you can't get around why when you get to these places, you will run up against um, a place that people quit. That's where quitting yeah. happens. Either you quit on the goal, you quit on yourself, you quit on life. And those, those are traumas. Those are mini micro traumas. Those are traumas that deeply impact um, anything you'll do for the rest of your life. So what I found is every time I asked people why, they kept coming back to a trauma. So I was putting them in a traumatic situation over and over again. What I found was, no, 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 just why do you want to do this particular thing? So when you ask yourself, do I want to be a badass? I want to be a badass. And again, I know that I know you well. You're much deeper than that. But you're, we're doing the craven thing, like the craven most obvious thing. Do I really, really want to be a badass? Will that hold up? Well, then all of a sudden it's not, do I want to be a badass? forever and for always. But the one of the ways I, the one of the ways that Jason relates to himself is that he does really hard, challenging things that make him feel alive and that allows him to be competitive with other people. Then Nolan's that, when you say that about Nolan's, then you're like, no, I'm just competing against Nolan's, the 14 mountains that are there, um, the four, the time limit of 60 hours. And then co-working with that are all the other people who have done it because that is a community. I mean, anybody that looks into Nolan's, you'll realize there's a community of people. There's two directions you can do it from. There's theories about which direction you come from. You know, it's, as if we use a three-hour marathoner, you pick the right course. Where do you go to a revel race where you drop off the face of the planet and run really, really, really fast? Or do you run it on a flat course or whatever? There's all these community elements. You're not really competing against the other people. You're kind of competing against yourself and the elements and everything else. And now that why why do I want to do Nolan's resonate to holds water? It becomes a realer thing. One way I can show I am tough. One way I can show I'm a badass is if I complete this, not I am only a badass if I complete this. No, that's, that's a miscommunication, misfocusing on the thing. It's that I will become more, I will prove out, show out my bad assness, this natural tendency you have because you want it. And you don't have to believe it, but you believe you want it. So the becoming, the being isn't as important as the becoming. So the becoming of it stretches you. Now we're in that Nietzschean will to power, will to get the thing done. Not because it, we're so strong and so tough and we'll crush everybody. So it's just beautiful. It's beautiful to try. It's, so then how did you get there? Not by asking your why about running. You asked your why about why Nolan's. 
Now, I just walked you down that road, right? I, there, I just did it for you, right? But I talked with you enough. I've looked you in the eyes. We've sat in the shadow of those 14ers on, and multiple times we've been on those trails together. We know what it means. It's a path with heart. So now you can just relate to it and say, okay, I might not measure up on that given day, but it doesn't mean that I won't measure up on some other given day. So now no longer, so then you have a choice, right? You could choose to look at it that way. If it's three hour marathon and you don't succeed at it, then you're like, okay, but there'll be another day where I can go back out after it and get after it. But if you're full of shit, you will not do that. If you're full of shit, what will you do? You'll cry in your suit. You'll mm -hmm. step away. You'll move off. You'll, you'll, you'll come up with an excuse. You'll say that you couldn't do it because it was too hot or there was a thunderstorm on top. You know, I noticed in the first time that you failed at Nolan's, you were open and you, you shared with multiple people multiple times about what it was. On the second time, you kind of kept it to yourself. You told me because I asked you specifically, but you were like, I got stuck due to weather. And that's all you told me. It wasn't until we did that podcast a couple a month ago where I actually got to hear the whole story of what happened. And now I know why you kept the story to yourself because it was a mix of, I wasn't, did I do it? Did, I just ran into something that I couldn't overcome. That's okay. And, and now it just fuels your fire to do it again, right? So yeah. I, guess, I guess that's where I get to with this is that the asking yourself your why will only be useful if you keep it narrow if it, because almost no one can really justify running as a why in any deep, yeah. deep, deep, meaningful way. Um, I do think I, I can personally see, not, not that I do myself, but I have met people who really do tap into this. It's how I express my best self. And if that's your why I'm learning or you're expressing your truest self, when though I meet people who are there and when you do, it's like meeting someone who has a really strong personal faith. Like it's, that's it, it, it moves mountains. It holds, it holds the pressure. It can keep the pressure, right? It holds the pressure yeah. because it's a real thing. And so what we're doing here is just saying, am I full of shit is basically another way of asking, am I real? And if you're, and you're not asking if that human person of Jason Brooks or Steven Sisson or some other person is real, it's saying, no, do I, the one I want, is it really real? So that's how I got to this circle of these questions of want and then belief and then intention because, oh, now I can see where it didn't work or where it's not lining up. So our listeners can take this construct and say, all right, if I'm struggling in a place and I'm not getting done what, no, I heard it's better. Ask yourself, am I full of shit? And if you say, no, I'm not full of shit, then carry on, carry on, just keep going. But at some point in time, you're going to, we all do. We all get there. We all realize that we're full of shit at some place. Why? Because we're, we're never capable of if our wants and desires are the way that almost every human want and desire is, we're, we're never, we're very rarely going to get every single want and desire we have. And typically when we're talking about running, we're talking about a pretty big want and desire that stretched you beyond what you're currently capable of. So the future, yeah. the, it's uncertain whether you'll achieve that thing. So that uncertainty then creates a, a, a question of that's where the belief piece comes in, right? Yeah. I like to say to some of my athletes the other day, somebody was like, I'll see you Tuesday. And I'm like, if there is a Tuesday, they're like, what? I'm like, well, I just mean that maybe we should suspend belief on all things. If we're going to be skeptics, maybe we should be skeptical of everything. Turns out the sun does rise most mornings, but it doesn't mean that it will rise tomorrow and that we will get to the next Tuesday. And then they're always like, well, what will happen? I'm like, I don't know, but I'll see, talk to you in hell because that's probably where I'll be, right? <laughs> then, yeah, then, yeah. then we laugh. Then I joke about it. But people are always like, why are you saying that? I'm like, because I do think it's important to be to think occasionally that 
hey, it's uncertain. And when you set these big, big, hairy, audacious goals, when you set goals and challenges that you want to do for yourself, when you have a want, you're dealing in uncertainty. And so therefore, at some point in time, you're dealing with whether or not you're full of shit. Um, and see if these three pathways, one of these three questions, three areas is the place where you find a problem. Um, so I'm going to expose myself here a little, Jason, because I one of the main reasons why I've come up with this concept and all of this is because over the last really now four months, five months, um, I'm realizing that I am epically full of shit because I want to run again, but I'm not running. And so in the past, it's always been, well, I can just get back up and start running again. And then whenever I want to, I do. And I've been able to do that. But I'm 52 and my body's beat up and I've got some specific issues and I've had some challenges that physically have placed me in a position where I would need to get help or I need to help myself. And I can't just do what I've always done is just walk out the front door and get after it. So here I go another month and another month and another month of not running. And then I went through a little window where I ran like for two weeks but I wasn't taking care of myself. And so I broke down and I got back into this mode where I just started walking again. And I walk an hour and a half, two hours nearly every day. So I'm out doing activity, but I'm not running. And so I tried to do this episode as a solo episode about a, six or eight weeks ago. And I just failed at it because I realized how full of shit I am in this particular area. <laughs> So in my construct, where is Steve in this situation running into trouble? Does he not really want it? Well, no, I want it. Just yesterday I was on Town Lake with um, Max and Kristen and we, were, we, we rode our bikes over the 10-mile loop. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool to run the 10-mile loop 365 days in a row and have 3,650 3, days? I mean, I come up with wants all the time when it comes to running. Right. So no, the problem is not wanting. I want a thing. I can want a hundred different things. Right. Wanted to qualify for Boston. And I believe I can do the 3,650 days if I really wanted it. But where I'm running into trouble is intention. I don't have the intention. So I don't find myself acting. So I don't find myself acting. So what's going on there? And I go, oh, I don't really, really want it. Oh, wow. Maybe I don't really, really want to run. And that that's the problem. Oh my gosh, this is a place that I think is important to talk a little bit about, Jason, because one of the things that happens is that we'll get this three construct of belief, of desire, belief, and, and intention. And when we get to a place that we realize that we think we've got it pinned down like a butterfly on, a, like on, a, on an album, we realize, oh, I've got it at intention. And then no, I don't really want to run. Oh my God. Who am I? I mean, I'm really full of shit at the deepest, deepest level. And this is where I'm at. Like right now, I'm in this place. And interestingly enough, I've just decided I'm going to sit in it for a little while, for a couple of weeks. I got a lot of other things going on in my life. I don't have to figure out how to go run. I don't need to go, go get a PT go see a PT, go do the, I just need to sit with it a little while. So every time I go out, I don't listen to any sounds. I don't listen to any music. I don't listen to any podcasts. I don't do anything else. I go out every day and I, and I'm wrestling with this angel, my angel. Steve is a runner. So is Steve full of shit? Cause is Steve really a runner? Or is Steve done being a runner? Do I really want it? 
because I know I can do it. I believe I can do it. I can believe I, I know the steps. I know the steps, but why am I not doing it? Well, it's, it's gotta be somewhere else up the line. Do you know what I mean? And so when I yeah. say to people, so somebody might say, well, I don't want to do that. That sounds like Steve's in some pretty scary existential place. Yeah, but I want to be real and I want to be aligned and I want to be a whole human. I want to be able to stand there and say, no, I'm a hiker now. I'm fine with that. I'm going to stay a coach. Yeah. I'll always keep coaching. It's like, okay, I can change if I want to change. And maybe right. I need to change. Maybe that's what this whole process is about is to move on to another area of my life and start rock climbing or start walking or hiking or doing maybe doing something altogether different. And how will I ever know if I don't ask myself this question, am I full of shit? Because I've been operating since I was six with an operating system that has defined my own self and who I am as a human being as a runner. Yeah, dude. Here's identity, right? Like, so, so deeply entrenched in, in the fiber of your person, your soul, right? And you're trying to, you're asking yourself, do I exercise this from my body, right? And, and, and from my soul and, and then who am I? What does that all mean? I mean, I'm, I'm rowing this boat with you, dude. When, you know, I, last year I got a diagnosis that I would never be able to run again. And then Peter and Katie brought me off the brink of that and got me running again, but it still left me thinking like, okay, now I can run, but I've just got done having a series of conversations with myself about maybe I will never run again. And maybe I actually don't even really want it all that much. That was part of the Nolan's thing, right? I'm like, I don't know. I'm fucking slogging through the miles. I'm doing all the training. A lot of it's kind of miserable, if I'm honest with myself. And I don't know that, like, maybe running is, it's cool. I had my day in the sun. I'm all right with it. There are a lot of other things I like. I like getting on a mountain bike. I like putting a paddle in my hand. I like climbing mountains, rock climbing, that kind of thing. And and it is this, like, <clears throat> there is a sense of this is an existential <laughs> crisis, right? Because I've allowed myself to become so deeply tied to this identity that now I have to, do I have to like remake myself as a person? And we have all these, I don't know if you have these same conversations, but it had me thinking like, wow, this is a little bit like an uncomfortable conversation to have. Cause I'm, I'm sitting here thinking like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not the person I thought I was or, or the way that I thought I identified in the world is, is gone. Like, well, I just shared with you, I just shared right. with you, I, uh, yes, That's I have those, I mean, that is, right? yeah, yeah, it's exactly there. And I have, and, and not only that it's identity, but it's also relationships, multiple relationships yeah. I have are based on that. I mean, your relationship mm -hmm. with your wife, my relationship with my fiance, they're based on our continued, uh, the expectation. And I don't know that they hold it as an expectation, but our, at least our internal do, mind yeah. and yours, we yeah. believe that it's expected to do that. Yeah. And so therefore we would have to re we would have to grow into a different person with our partner. Always very, very hard. Um, yeah. or, but more importantly is we still need to deal with that wrestling with our own angel. And I call yeah. this wrestling with your angel is, and basically wrestling with your angel is standing there in the moment to say, I am full of shit and it's okay because it's helping me find out what I want to do, who I am, what I'm being. And that's why I wanted to go in here because I say flippantly, Oh, my athletes full of shit. And they, and it's okay if they don't take it to this existential level, Jason, you know, you and I just happened to hit 
we both happen to be on a very similar place in our lives. And, and so we're at different ages, but different places. Right. And, um, but others, every runner that I've met that I've actually had the courage to say is full of shit also identifies as a runner at a really deep level. And so when they do, when they ask themselves, are they full of shit? They need to be questioning this identity part too. And I think that that's why I keep bringing it up because I want people to at least recognize, yes, maybe I don't want to look under that rock because it goes all the way down to a giant hole of meaningless nestingness, emptiness. <laughs> and in my view is there's no such thing as a hole that's meaningless emptiness because even in the emptiness, there's something real and something true. And I trust that that's a trust I have. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think it's useful to do that. You think yeah, it's useful. We'll to find do that. ground but somewhere. I think so. You know, I think the Buddhists yeah. say this. There was a, the Choygam Trunkab, one of my very favorite Buddhist, uh, Tibetan Buddhists. He's like, they say jump and everybody's afraid to jump because they're going to land. Where are they going to land? He's like, well, when you jump, you never land. It's like, what? Like, well, that's what enlightenment is. You never land. So once you jump, you realize the whole thing was the death. The whole thing was the mate facing the thing. So the whole thing for me is if I face, I'm not a runner, I can then I'll on. either stop being a runner and it will be okay. I won't hit ground or I will do the steps and necessary intentions to go do the things that need to get done to actually be the runner. And then I won't hit the ground. Right. So it's yeah. like, we're always predicting that it's all going to turn out to be terrible, but in the same way, um, somebody, if they can't hit a sit and rep in a lot of ways, they're dealing with the exact same question. They're just keeping it really surface level. They're not going down deeper, but that if they can't hold the pressure, it's not really real. And so they need to examine it somewhere. And those examinations are what make it purposeful in my mind. It's almost like you shouldn't actually have to ask the why question because the why question should be answered already in the desire. But let's yeah. go back to our world that we live in and how we have to interrogate with why because we are taking givens all the time. We're taking on constructs of a three hour marathon or a 14 or doing the Nolans, doing whatever thing. So that's the first step is asking that question. Do I really want this thing? Is that what something I really want to taking it from the culturally constructed want into the, into the own process for the sake of itself want. And once we get there, and if you're just operating in those two places of asking yourself whether you're full of shit or not, I mean, you've got, I think you've got years of fruitful, helpful, yeah. useful, processing that can go on. And, um, but occasionally you will run right into something that will hit your identity in a really deep way. Like your Nolan's like my, am I going to run again? Um, and somebody else's, you know, getting under three hours can be that way. It gets to become an existential crisis. And my view is existential crises are where we find the real meat that we find about being alive, where we find about what we really want. And, we are wanting creatures. We find meaning from our wants. And interestingly, neat thing though, is we need for some reason to achieve a goal or two. One or two of those wants need to get achieved or we start to atrophy what we think we are as a person. And that's interesting too, Jason. Like why can't it just be the want? Because I just want to. We don't have a problem with yeah. that. We don't have a problem with that. I mean, we do like think about that with, you know, you can't just keep eating candy and you're without brushing your teeth. 
you're going to get cavities and you're not going to have teeth and you're not going to be able to eat candy. We're going to be sucking yeah. on it. Right. There are some, that's why I meant like some of our wants are really needs. Like they're really needs. Like you just have to do the thing. And, and we, we, we find out that we do it. Like you just find a way to do it. I, um, anyway, I'm, I'm rambling now, but I, I just think that there, the reason why I thought this topic was going to be useful and helpful to people is because I think Asking yourself if you're full of shit is super helpful. Using a three, this three-part concept construct that I'm arguing for, which is to say, what do I want? There's a want to start, then there's a belief to come next, then there's an intention to come next, and then, then I act in the world. And then once that process has started towards any want, then it just iterates and drives and moves and those three places or those four places are places that you can go. The reason why I didn't use the experience or the actual doing of the thing as a... Um, as a fourth point is because it, the intention kind of takes care of it. Like once you're doing it, it doesn't matter anymore. You know, and you're not Nolan's when you stop doing is when you just stopped acting anymore towards that goal. So the intention, it really came in that the intention stopped. And for me, the intention is stopped because I'm not doing PT. I'm not doing any strength work. I'm not doing anything towards it. I'm not trying to step towards running. So the intention is really the crux place. That's where it is. And then I, as I unpacked it and unpacked it and unpacked it, I got all the way to, do I even want it? So this, I think this can be useful to folks. Um, and if nothing else, it was just super fun talking with you about it because yeah. I now, now I'm seeing, oh, for you, you just walked through that with the Nolans and said, oh, that, that holds pressure. That construct might be useful. It might be valuable. Um, it might be helpful in figuring out ways to be more effective runners. Um, and you know, are we ever not full of shit? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that it matters. And that's why I think everybody laughs when I said, oh, you're just full of shit. Because they're like, yeah, uh, pretty much. <laughs> but I keep wanting this thing. So how do you deal with that? What do you do with it? Pause here for a second because you, you cut out for a for probably like a solid 10 seconds there. And I, and I missed the end of that. It's all good. I, I think I ended at just basically saying we don't, you know, we, it, I think that these steps serve a vital function in asking ourselves a question of, are we full of shit? Asking ourselves the why the why gets answered here. The why gets answered here because it goes, it drops away Right. So I have an athlete that's getting ready to run a race this weekend. She's tried twice to hit her Boston qualifier and she was shooting for a time faster. So she's shooting for 305 or sub three and it, she just needs a 315, 320. She has to get under 320. So we're like 315 is what she should run. So she really wants to be at Boston because her boyfriend's going to be at Boston. A whole community is going to be at Boston in 2023. So it's like, I want to get there. And we know that she's in three hour shape. So running 315 shouldn't be a problem. But Jason, I told her that she was going to run into real problems in this race. And I said the last three weeks of our process was, you think this is already done. You want to be at Boston, but you haven't gone through, you haven't really asked whether you can do it or not. And you're going to get asked because the marathon always wins. It's going to get asked. And if you think that the answer is yes, it's going to really shake you and you're, you're going to have a hard time. It's going to shake you so deeply at your core that you're going to think, I can't even run 315. And I just told her repeat, every time I met her, I was like, are you working on this? Are you working on it? Are you working on it? And she's like, well, what am I working on? What's your answer when you don't want it anymore? 
Because two times before this, you haven't wanted it enough. Now, one time she got sick and her stomach was really, really bad. And the other one, it was super hot and humid. But at the end of the day, you didn't want it bad enough when you got stopped at Nolan's. You know that. You just didn't want it. <laughs> that, that's yeah. the crucial thing here. That's the crucial thing here. You could have kept going and then not and done it in 68 hours or 60 or 80 hours and done it. And then known that you needed to do right. it again, but you stopped. And so she wants to get to Boston. Well, the only way to Boston is through this race. It's the only way is through. So once you realize that the only way is through, it's better to prepare yourself. It's better to be prepared because yeah. the, cause the tree's going to shake and the leaves are going to fall. And, um, and I, she's going to ask herself, am I full of shit? Is this goal full of shit? Yeah. I think that um, we, need, we need failure more than anything to help us to, to illuminate this concept and, and how it works. Um, and, and for me now, <clears throat> it's much easier to have that conversation with myself. Do I want this thing and what am I willing to do to get it? I really wanted to go to college when I was a teenager. My my childhood, as I've talked about, was really rough, and I and I would do anything to get out of it. And I wanted to go to college, so I joined the Marine Corps. I went to war, <laughs> and then I went to college, and I went to graduate school, and that took me twelve years to accomplish all of that. But I fucking wanted it, and I believed so deeply in it that nothing, absolutely nothing could stand in my way. I retook all of high school mathematics. I taught myself how to write effectively because <laughs> I didn't pick any of that up in my teenage years and, and made it through all of that. And now I find myself in places where I'm like, okay, I now I see, I can see the desire and I can see what it would take to accomplish the thing. And I can have a conversation with myself before I even commit to it, right? I'm like, you know, now, you know, I know what fucking hard work is. And I know what it means to really have to, to work hard to pursue something. And, and I find myself even having this conversation beforehand. But there are times when we fall into these traps of what desire runs out ahead of everything else. And we fail to look at the other pieces of the puzzle, right? Because we just, we, we like think we want the thing. It's so tantalizing and they're in front of us and it's so, so sexy and everything. But then we get halfway down the road or I'll notice for myself, even today, I'll get a little down the road and then, and then have the rest of the conversation <laughs> with myself. Like, wait, do you really want this? Do you like, are you ready? to commit to all those things. And I think it's part of our, like our journey as individuals in life. Like we, other things become more important and they matter more. Like spending time with my family is more important than all of those days where I have to not spend time with my family to go out and train or educate myself or do whatever it is. Right. And a lot of that stuff starts to fall away. Cause I'm like, yeah, you know, fuck my kids almost 10 years old now. He's, He's not, a, he's over the halfway mark of the time he's going to live in my house. And I want to eat up as much of that time as possible. And there are just conversations like that, right? Like we need to be real with ourselves about where we are in life, what's important. That's why we talk about core values, why we talk about worldview, why we talk about the map is not the territory and identity and ego and all of those things. Um, now I'm ranting. <laughs> no, you, in, and I think this is a good place to end because 
what you're talking here is about what I keep calling soul making, because I think that that's what my job is now. I'm, and, I, and it's been these conversations that have been helpful to me um, as a coach, as an athlete, as a runner, as a, as a soon to be husband, as a homeowner, as a, I mean, you know, I mean, when you, you went through this, selling a house, buying a house, figuring that all that out, like you realize you've got all these other roles. You've got all these roles that are unexpected. What, what are they building you? So these wants, like, what do I want out of another house? I'm leaving something that's amazing, and epic and crazy and awesome. And I'm going to go to something that's smaller and did, but isn't, but, but that doesn't matter. Am I making a soul? When you think about Paxton, your son, you're like, you're making your own soul in being a father and you're making, helping him build his soul. So there, there's something there. When we stand on a starting yeah. line with other people, we're soul making. Everyone has their own journey. And I agree with you in your main point, which is we never learn if we don't fail. We don't learn if we don't suffer. So asking yourself the question, am I full of shit, will bring some suffering. But ultimately, it will bring more because that's where we learn. And I think that the main purpose of doing this sport, the main reason, the main why is to learn or to be alive. For some reason, it just seems the human species is designed to, it's that process guy in me, right? That guy who's owning everything's a process and we're supposed to learn, not for the end of learning, right? But for the growth that occurs, the soul making, the making of a self that's beyond a self. That's why I like the word soul because it's like there's a depth to it. There's a nuance to it. There's multi-layered. A self just seems to be the construct in which I've operated within. I happen to be a white guy. I happen to be 52 years old. I happen to live in this part of the country. I happen to, those things aren't my soul. My soul is something else that people can smell and taste and sense and it's there when you're there like are there auras oh yeah i mean i don't know that they're real physical things but when you walk into a room and you're attracted to a person that it's synergy. beyond it's energy it's real stuff so that's what i think is so and those of us who are training we're training our souls those of us are getting ready when you're running a race you're training your soul and Asking this question is an unbelievably effective way to becoming the person and the soul that you want to be. And if you don't like my word soul, then just say becoming the person you want to be. What is it that you want to be? Because you want, you know that raising your son makes you a better person. Yes, there's things, you don't want to miss any of those moments. You don't, even when he's screaming and yelling, you're telling you you're a horrible dad. You're like, okay, there's something here for me and something here for him. We're doing this yeah. together. And when we're in suffering in the middle of a race, if this girl who I'm coaching doesn't get it done on that race, she'll be presented with another problem. This is why I always say when, when the failure happens, it's never a problem. It's just an opportunity. And asking this question of, am I being full of shit is an opportunity, an opportunity. And I know many people don't want to take it, but I think you're missing out on the whole, the whole point of everything if you don't. So anyway. There we go. Who knows where we'll go? Actually, I know where we're going next time because we didn't do it this time. And if I don't put it on, if I don't, if I don't state it, it won't get yes. done. So we are reading a book together and we're going to discuss the book. You've already read the book. I haven't yet. The book is called Tribe by Sebastian Younger. Um, and, uh, and it's about community. It's about being a warrior. It's about um, how to be a warrior with other people, what all that means. Um, what else is it about, Jason? You've read it. Here I am saying what it is when I haven't even read it yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the subtitle of the book is On Homecoming. So a lot of it is about um, 
the human experience of suffering traumatic events or even just really hard experiences in a community and then what it is to lose that that experience and that community and that sense of collective purpose will to power and um and i think it's really powerful it'll be it, it's a basically our for, first foray into a broader conversation about warrior warrior ethos warrior class um and how those concepts cut across um really the entire human experience it's not just about being a warrior is not just about being a combat soldier yeah one of the great warriors of history is a hero me a huge hero of mine socrates many people don't think of socrates as a warrior but he was a incredibly decorated warrior in his in his time and i think that's why people listen to him um and i would say that to wrap this conversation up the main thing that socrates was asking people was asking them if they were full of shit pretty much what he was doing that's the entire yeah. socratic method is yeah, yeah. Yeah, is it full right. of shit is it is it real do you, values, it, do you stand up to them can it yeah. can it take the pressure can it really take the pressure and so i'm really excited about reading this book and then wherever it takes us because these conversations as we say every time are so much fun so hopefully everybody else is enjoying them jason thank you again for another hour of um in this case, it was like psychotherapy. Basically, we were both <laughs> we were both doing our own. We were both we were both analyzing ourselves, analyzing each other, ho holding space for each other. Um, it's awesome. So yeah, yeah I learned uh, so much about myself and what's going on already. Yeah, it's so Through cool. This one conversation. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening. Hopefully, you're enjoying it, and um, we'll be back at you in a week or two with um, a book report, whatever that means, on Tribe, and then hopefully it'll take us even more directions as I'm sure it will. It always does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks Steve. Thanks everyone. Thanks. Take care y'all.